Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance to his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seers of the finest flour and knead it and break some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice, tender calf and gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the half that he had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old, were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and, the Lord is, and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Um, some of you may know me. I'm, my name is Andrew Quapong, and um, I sort of work here at St. Helens Church. I'm training for, for ordination at the moment at St. Melitus College, which isn't too far from here. Um, but over the last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at and working through the story in, in Genesis of God interacting and establishing a relationship with Abraham. Uh, we've had cosmic-sized promises made several times. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. We've had a name change. Abram, now Abraham, and Sarah, now Sarah. We have gone through many twists and turns with Abraham, where he's had his good days, like nobly um, rescuing his cousin, Lot, um, to um, not so good days, like pretending his wife's, um, that he was his wife's brother, so he, uh, he doesn't, um, you know, they're not tempted to get rid of him. So before we um, uh, continue to embark with him on his journey, um, let's, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the life of Abraham and what he has to teach us about your nature and who you are, but also what he has to teach about us and who we are. I pray that you will be working in our hearts to receive your words today. Amen. Um, what do we do when, uh, when someone comes to visit? Uh, when someone sometimes unexpectedly, thank you brother, 
um, someone unexpectedly comes to visit. He just popped up today. Yeah, great. Um, it's, um, it's often said that where, um, where the queen goes to visit, there is always the smell of fresh paint. When I have guests, which is now weekly, because I, I help run one of the life groups um, that runs from the churches in my house, um, on a Monday evening, we are all just panicking, so trying to tidy up everything or actually strategically relocating stuff into other parts of the house so that no one else could actually see where it actually is. It's not really tidy. We've actually got really good at it. Um, it's an illusion to tidy. So if you come to my house and you sort of say, oh, it's, really, it's not. It's just stuff has just moved somewhere else. It's, it's the same stuff. It's just relocated. Okay. But part of welcoming visitors is about providing food. I think food is important. I really enjoyed hosting a pancake party last Tuesday. We had made close to 90 pancakes. Um, loads were consumed. Still some in the fridge. Yeah, um, yeah, pancakes. Um, so, but also, so we've got making space, which you did, relocating stuff, and food is important when looking after visitors. Anything else do we think that's needed when we have visitors around? Drinks, snacks, yeah, that's food, that's all food. What else? No, I think that's about it. Making space and having, and having food. So today we meet Abraham sitting at the entrance of his tent where he is met by three visitors. So we've got our Bibles open. If we look, um, if you look with me, look at verse 1. Um, straight away the passage notes that it is God the Lord appearing to Abraham. Yet we are made aware that Abraham does not at first recognize um, that it's God. So in verse 3, if you look with me, um, if, you, um, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, small l, do not pass your servant by. We don't know when um, Abraham actually recognizes that it is God. Is it during the meal? Or when God asks to see Sarah? Or when God reiterates the promises? Or maybe later on, is that there's another section where he continues with him. But we know that by the end, Abraham knows that he's meeting with God. So we're here we have, we have another interaction. We have another time when God personally meets with Abraham. And in this interaction, I really want to focus on three things. I'll try and repeat them. Character, promise, and purpose. Okay, if we look at character, briefly, character, God uses righteous character as a witness of his faithfulness through receiving his promises. So God uses right, righteous character as a witness of his faithfulness through receiving his promises. And we've got promise. God uses the impossible to fulfill his promises. So we are left in no doubt who to put our faith in. So God uses the impossible to fulfill his promises. So we're left in no doubt in who we put our faith in. Then we have purpose. How God brings about his purposes is through relating to his people. So how God brings about his purposes is through relating to his people. Let's, let's start. So let's look at character. God uses righteous character as a witness through the receiving of his promises. So he uses character in, in, in the 
in a few different ways. One of the ways is through, um, through yes, just through simply a righteous character, through developing character, and also in spite of character. You know, Abraham was seen as righteous. In the previous chapter, in chapter 15, um, verse 6, it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. But we look at his life and we see the opposite. We don't see Abraham as, as righteous because we see righteousness as consistency. So if, I, if, if I'm consistent in my behavior, you sort of think, okay, no, this person, he says what he means, he means what he says. It's, it's, there's some consistency there. Yet Abraham is not consistent in character. In fact, the Bible goes to great lengths to describe Abraham's inconsistency. So over the few weeks, we've had a good week and not so good week and another good week and again, not so good week. So he goes through the, but he goes, but the Bible also goes for the same lengths um, to describe God's consistency. So we've got these two sort of things sort of um, contrasting right against each other. Abraham's inconsistency and God's consistency. You see, Abraham's inconsistency was always met with God's consistency. And it was Abraham's belief in God being constant or faithful that made Abraham righteous. Abraham believed his promises. Okay, so we've had a righteous character. What about through developing character? You know, there was this constant interaction with God developed Abraham's character, even during testing times. In this passage, we see Abraham going through great lengths to welcome the stranger. Uh, if you could follow with me in verse 4. I think it's just over the page. Is that right? Yep, in verse 4. Um, we can see he gets water for them so that they could wash their feet. In verse 6, again, if you follow, he asks Sarah to bake an enormous amount of bread, almost the almost the amount of uh, pancakes that we made. Almost. But yes, yeah, so just a ridiculous amount of bread. Way more than we needed. Um, and then in verse 7, um, he himself picks a tender calf from the herd for a, a servant to prepare. In verse 8, he, he himself serves them the food, the curds and the milk and the calf that was prepared and then simply stands and waits on them. All these interactions with God has developed in Abraham a kind, servant-hearted person. That is kind even to the stranger. It's not just through the deliverance um, of his promises and purposes that God develops character, but God's interaction with us through our ups and our downs, that is where God humbles us, teaches us, he raises us up. He disciplines us. This is even through us living our lives with God that he develops our character. I really find this Lent period really helpful for me. Um, it's a time for myself to, you know, I try to allow myself to deepen my relationship with God. I'm, I'm really looking forward um, to this, using this material by John Chapman, uh, from Sinner to Saint. Um, in our Lent groups, and I think we're, hopefully, there's still sign-up sheets in the back. Um, if you haven't joined one, if you're thinking about one, please, please think a bit more about it, um, to help reassess, you know, our past priorities and also allow ourselves to be formed by God. 
So we have through developing character. What about despite godly character? That God achieves his promises and purposes. Unfortunately, this time it's through Sarah. Um, it's not a good week for her. Perhaps she was um, never the one to, who interacted with God. She only ever heard all these promises secondhand from Abraham. And this time she heard it via eavesdropping. She was filled with doubts, yet God challenged her in verse 14, saying, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? When we feel we are too far away from God or, or promises are impossible, God replies with this, Is anything too hard for the Lord? So, we've, so we have looked at character, that whether through righteous developing or in spite of character, they are all witnessing to God's faithfulness for him delivering his promises. Okay, that leads on to promises. You know, God's promises are a reflection of his character. When God makes a promise to people, it describes God's heart. When God makes promises of judgment, it shows that he is a God that hates sin, loves justice, and desires true peace. When God promises blessings, it speaks of God as one who is loving, who is a loving creator that draws creation to himself. So to Abraham, it was, uh, I will make you a great nation. I will be their God and they will be my people. But there is a particular manner in which God uh, seems to establish his promises throughout the Bible. He establishes them, sorry, I can't even say that word. He establishes them through the impossible and with the unlikely. You know, this great nation will be established through the barrenness of Sarah that is further impounded by her old age. I mean, their situation is almost laughable. Uh, and that is what Sarah did. She, she laughed because to her it was impossible. You know, I think it's a, a natural human reaction um, to, to, attempt, to the attempt of the impossible by the unlikely. It's like David, David defeating Goliath or my daughter's beating me at Connect Four. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. I will never, ever let it happen. It's, it's, it's pride at stake, okay? You all know that you want... Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to... If you want a game, I'm, I'm up for it. But the reason we laugh at scenarios like this um, is that because we think it's a joke and we are waiting for the tragic punchline of total and utter failure. It's foolishness to put our trust in something so utterly hopeless. It's so sad, it's funny. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, Sarah does have a child and she names him, names him Isaac, which means the one who laughs. You see, with God, he establishes his promises through the impossible. Here it's through barrenness, um, and, it is, and it's by the unlikely elderly and uh, Abraham and Sarah. And the punchline is that it actually comes to pass. So even when Sarah felt like the butt of a bad joke, God fulfilled his promises through her. You know, I do love the interaction at the end of the reading. Yeah, just look, at, look with me in verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. 
Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. I just love that interaction. Just, just end there. God turns Sarah's cynical laughter into actual laughter of joy because of the core, um, because of this, because at the core of her cynicism was a crisis of faith. That God's character is not in line with her experience of him. Yet, through God being faithful, her experience of God fell back in line with God. Um, so her, her experience of God fell back in line with God's character so that when there were other experiences of disconnect, she would be able to look back and see how God was faithful to her before. So what do we do when we hear God's promises such as, I will always be with you, but they do not fall in line with our experience of God because God does not feel like he is near. We could either react cynically to God because we believe him to be unfaithful to his promises, or we could believe because he has shown himself to be faithful in his word and throughout history and with other people's lives. And if we really look also in our own lives, yet we know faith is a gift from God. And this is a gift that we can ask through faith in the risen Jesus Christ. To believe the creator of the ever-expanding universe, creator of the stars and the planets and solar systems, cares for you that he sent his only son to die for our sins, to create a way where there previously was no way. Well, that is faith only given from God. So we've looked at character and, uh, and that whether through righteous developing or in spite of character that they are all witnessing to God's faithfulness through him delivering on his promises, because he does deliver on his promises. We looked at promise. God uses the impossible to fulfill his promise so that we are left in no doubt to where to put our faith in. So let's look at purpose. Why on earth did God meet with Abraham? I sometimes wonder, why did he meet with him in such a way, in such, in such theater? What was the point of it, all of it? He could have just clicked his fingers and it would just be over. And I think because God can make all these things happen, yeah. Well, but I think for him, story is important, and it's also important for us. God not only interrupts our own stories, but our stories our, are intertwined with God's story of creation. Not in a way that is centered around us, so it's not human-centric, but our story is part of God's story of creation. What do I mean by this? Well, this doesn't make our stories any less important. In fact, it makes it more important because we are no longer, we no longer have to establish or create our own purpose. I think we sometimes feel tempted to do so. You know, I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to achieve this. Here are the things that are expected from me in this society. It doesn't make our stories less important. In fact, it makes our own stories more important because we no longer have to establish our own purpose as we come to a realization that we are part of God's greater purpose. You've heard the saying, um, the means justifies the ends, yeah? You've heard it? Nods? No nods? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
This normally means you could do what you want because the purpose was for more, some greater good. We could be tempted to treat our neighbor or our friend or our family in unloving ways and fully justify it because we think it will change them in some way, in the way that we want it to, or we can manipulate them in the way that we want. Or we could be totally dishonest at work because of our aim, our aim is to finish a project. We saw Sarah try this a few weeks ago by giving uh, Haggai, uh, her servant, to Abraham to have a child because the ends justify the means. This is not so with God. With God, the purpose and the means are one. They are just as important as each other. The journey is as just as important as the destination. God's purpose behind his promises to Abraham is to redeem creation back to himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. You know, we can mirror this with Christ. His death on the cross was not a tragedy, but the means in which um, to redeem God's creation, to bring us back into a right relationship with a loving God. It is all God's work. Taking the punishment for our sins that we deserve on the cross so that we are not only made right with God, but we can witness his great love for us. So, to conclude, we've looked at character, that whether through righteous or developing or in spite of character, they are all witnessing to God's faithfulness through him delivering on his promises. We've looked at promise. God uses the impossible to fulfill his promises, so we are left in no doubt who to put our faith in. And we have looked at purpose. That the way God brings about his purpose is just as important and radical as what his purpose is. That through the story of Abraham and his offspring, redeemed through Christ, all people can be called sons and daughters of God when they put their trust in Christ.